Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And as always, I hope you're doing well, everybody. Jim McCarron's back with the good, the bad, and the TV on the number one podcast network for professionals. It's the Believe Podcast Network. Check us out on our Believe.com website or subscribe to us, rate us on the platform of your choice. Up to you. It's all easy. Hey, now let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV, shall we? The year is 1981. It's the year the American hostages are freed. Sandra Day O'Connor is picked. The space shuttle takes off. Cronkite and Charlie's Angels sign off. MTV kicks off. Raiders of the Lost Ark comes out. Luke and Laura get hitched, and everybody wishes they had Jesse's girl. In 1981, at McCoy Stadium in tiny Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the longest professional baseball game in history is played. It lasts eight hours and 25 minutes, over 33 innings, the last of which isn't even held until a full two months later. Minor leagues, major record. As for Major League Baseball in 1981, well, there's that 49-day player strike, for one thing. And that makes the season feel just as long as sitting through the Pawtucket game. In Atlanta in 1981, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports that five gay men in Los Angeles, California, seem to have developed a rare form of pneumonia that's associated with weakened immune systems. These cases are the first recognized ones of what will soon become known around the world as AIDS. Elsewhere in Los Angeles in 1981, Metallica is formed, while across the country in New York's Central Park, Simon and Garfunkel perform a free concert for a crowd of about a half million. And in the spring of 1981, both the president, Reagan, and the pope, John Paul II, are shot in assassination attempts, crimes that stun the world, as do the Atlanta child murders, which continue until an arrest is made in July of this year. In New York and elsewhere, crime in general is on the rise in the United States. With rare exception, the TV cop show hardly changes throughout its first 30 years as a TV programming staple. Good guys, bad guys, clear lines, crime and punishment, right and wrong. Black and white storytelling, even in color. Then comes 1981, when, informed by subtle changes in the rules of TV storytelling in the 1970s, which include anti-heroes, non-ending endings, dark comedy, darker drama, as well as informed by changes in physical TV execution, among them handheld camera work and a more documentary approach to execution. There comes a single new drama that changes everything. Evolution isn't something that's easily tied to a date. It's usually more associated with a period or an era. But the evolution of the TV cop show 
does have a singular date. It's January 15th, 1981, when Hill Street Blues premieres on NBC. A dense and dizzying depiction of daily life within and outside of an inner-city Midwest police precinct. Hill Street Blues is about the uniformed cops and detectives, the bosses and the rank-and-filers, the defense lawyers and the prosecutors, the crimes and criminals, the besieged members of a besieged community who come through the doors of Hill Street Station. That, of course, is the show's original title, Hill Street Station. It ends up being reserved as the title of the first episode. Perhaps Law and Disorder would work better. Nothing close to this had ever appeared in a TV drama and certainly not in a police show. That's the quote from Fred Barbash in a 2018 Washington Post retrospective. So different is Hill Street Blues when it shows up on third place NBC, the network's biggest hit is Little House on the Prairie, that the struggling network barely knows what to do with it. It schedules it twice a week for its first two weeks, hoping it'll somehow click somewhere with someone. But it doesn't, not at first, beyond a core and what becomes a loyal small base. But that's enough to give NBC faith in the well-reviewed show, which it turns around and orders for another full season. News of that, paired with increased awareness during a summer rerun season, which also comes with the announcement of an unheard of 21 Emmy nominations, creates momentum for Hill Street Blues. Then come awards night itself in September, and eight Emmy wins, eight, including three for its actors, one each for its writing and directing, and best of all, most helpful of all, the prize for best TV drama of the year. It all cements it a TV, as TV's most talked about new show. By the time Hill Street Blues premieres in October for its second season, NBC's most precious gem is TV's newest hit. With a cast headed by Daniel J. Travante and Veronica Hamill, supported by soon-to-be household name actors like Charles Hayde, Michael Warren, Betty Thomas, Michael Conrad, Bruce Weitz, Barbara Bossen. Hill Street Blues innovates with authenticity and realism as its ratings and prestige grows. Dense scripts weave multiple story threads of both professional and personal lives, some that are tied up in a single episode, some that extend through lengthy arcs or even an entire season. In a later oral history of the show for the Television Academy, producer Stephen Bochco, who creates the series with Michael Cazal, notes, quote, On our script, we had double columns of dialogue because we scripted everything in the background, everything in the background. We realized we had so many characters that the only way to service all those characters was to have multiple storylines. The only way to service multiple storylines was to let them spill over into subsequent episodes. So half the time, things that were going on in the background were in fact the elements of stories and character relationships 
that would emerge in the foreground two episodes from now. End quote. And the cops continue to flout the rules as easily as the show's writers flout convention. Fully fleshed out, but quite human characters, faults and all, weaknesses and all, sworn to their duties, but not 100% to carrying them out the way audiences have become used to seeing them. It frees the police series from its just-the-facts moorings, thankfully already weakened in the 1970s by cops-turned-authors Frank Serpico and Joseph Wamba, and their behind-the-badge tales, and by NBC's earlier underappreciated Emmy-winning police story, which springs from Wamba's Street Cop Days. It's an ode to cinema verite, born of the prestigious drama wing of MTM Productions, and the stuff of weekly Thursday night viewing parties across the country, when the choice is to see the latest episode live or not to see it at all. It's must-see TV before the phrase is cool, and for that matter, coined. Hill Street Blues presents stories of crime and punishment, but rings emotion from its many and oft-intertwining personal stories of love and loss, of damaged and in some cases tortured home lives, of alcoholism, divorce, sudden death, unimagined pain, it wins four consecutive Emmys as best drama before its novel approach to dramatic storytelling becomes a bit more routine in primetime drama and then seeds its top dog status and its winning Thursday night time slot to Botchko's next ensemble game changer and rule breaker called L.A. Law. When it pulls the pin in 1987, it leaves behind 98 Emmy nominations, coloring a total of 26 16 of its nominations alone are for its writing. In 1983, for its third season, every one of the allotted five slots for outstanding writing goes to an episode of Hill Street Blues. At the 1987 ceremony, the show is given a four-minute salute from TV's own rank and file for its contributions to the one-hour form and for expanding what and how TV can service a story, for making human a once less than fully human character, the TV cop, for having created people and situations that connect to crime, but that connect to us with something deeper. The old cop shows left audiences satisfied, writes Barbash in 2018, on the occasion of Bochco's death at age 74. They could sleep well. Hill Street Blues often left them heartbroken. End quote. I'm Jim McCairns. We'll be back next week with more about the good, the bad, and the TV. While traveling, it's usually best to pack light. When it comes to money, carrying some cash and having an alternative like Zelle is a great idea. Zelle's an easy way to send and receive money with people you trust at any U.S. bank. It's already in thousands of different banking apps, and it's money straight into your bank account in minutes fast. Look for Zelle in your banking app today. Safe travels. Oh, and uh, Paul Tuckett finally did win, 3-2 to two in the 33rd. We have a 9-11. Unlock me in progress. See surplus store corner People's Drive, Mark 24th Street.
to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.